0: City Church. I'm so glad that you are carving out some time to gather with us uh, around God's Word. And so today, if you're taking notes, and I, and I hope you are, uh, I want to talk to you for the next uh, few moments around the idea of looking um, at your grief. We're in a series called Out of the Shadows, and we're taking some time uh, to really explore what it means to have a healthy spirituality, in order to have a healthy spirituality, we know that it means we have to have a healthy uh, emotional life as well. And so we're going to talk about grief today. We spent some time with the last few weeks talking about emotions, uh, our family of origin, and now we're going to look at grief. And so I want you just to write that or write that out. Look um, at your grief. And so I want to take us to the scriptures this morning. Uh, we've got five scriptures that I want us to consider uh, and just frame this idea of grief—they're uh, brief—but uh, I hope that you'll follow along. Uh, they'll be with, for you on the screen. We're going to begin at Psalm 34, verse 18. It says, "The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit." Psalm 137:1 one says, "By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered." zion luke chapter 19 verses 41 and 42 speaking of jesus it says when he drew near and saw the city of jerusalem he wept over it saying would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes And then come with me now to John chapter 11. And in this passage of scripture, John chapter 11, I think it's just a great picture for us in terms of grief, in terms of sorrow. And one of the reminders that we have in this narrative, and I'd invite you to take some time and read the full narrative of of Lazarus and begin to read in in the beginning of the chapter, you will see this very um, this very truth that grief, sorrow, does not play favorites. People who followed Jesus and were close to Jesus experienced loss, sorrow. And in John chapter 11, it says that when Jesus saw her weeping, when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And then they said to him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in all of the Bible. It was a go-to whenever you had to kind of memorize a scripture. Come on. Jesus wept. The final text I want us to think about and consider today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Here's the promise of Jesus in the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Church, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, that we can have honest conversations about what it is to grieve and to grieve well and how we move through that. And that we can be reminded that the scriptures do not restrict us from feeling the contrary is true. A life lived in you is a life to the full where we are allowed, invited, expected. Lord, to feel all the feels and know that you are with us in the moments of celebration, in the moments of trial, in the moments of sorrow, and everything in between. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your presence that is with us in every season of life. And in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. As we talk about grief, as we talk about sorrow and mourn, you could look for a definition just like I did and landed on this, that grief is emotional suffering brought on by bereavement, mishap, or disaster. To grieve is either to cause or to feel sorrow or distress. As I was thinking about that definition, here's where I kind of landed. Uh, a simplistic way of me thinking about grief is that grief is dealing with loss. And you and I, if we were to survey our life, we have experienced loss at a variety of levels. Early on in life, we, we deal with, we experience loss, and we have to process those emotions If you've ever been around a young child and you were to take something from the child, you would see that their response, their reaction, maybe it's tears, maybe it's screaming, maybe it's frustration. That's a picture of actually someone immature dealing with and having to get familiar with loss, loss of an item, loss of something that they care about and enjoy. Here's what you and I recognize, that if we learn how to do it then, and we grow in maturity in a healthy way, then we arrive kind of in our adulthood, and we're able to process our emotions in a healthy uh, in a healthy way. But truth be told, many of us live our lives, and while we may, at a young age, learn how to kind of process some of that, something happens along the way, and as the emotions get more complex, and as the situations become more trying and more difficult, we We lose our way. I've seen times in my life and I've seen many people that I have known and have walked alongside, when they're hit with a moment of grief, of sorrow, of loss, it kind of puts them in a tailspin. You see, it's one thing for us to be able to handle the small losses, but then when something big comes along, and that that could be a trying, that could be a difficult time. I wanna say this to you at the onset. It's very, it's very easy for us to kind of look at our lives and go, oh, maybe I haven't had like a massive tragedy or a massive loss. And you might dismiss our conversation today because you feel like it doesn't fit. And, and I want to say this grief loss comes in all many different shapes and sizes. Yes, there are the massive tragedies that happen in our life. That will produce grief. But I also want you to know that sometimes the smaller losses that may seem in light of the massive tragedy insignificant, what I want us to understand is that waves are waves. And whenever something happens in our life, it creates a wave of grief, a wave of loss. And so it might not be the six foot wave that you could barrel roll surf, but it's still disrupting the equilibrium of your life. And what we want to do is walk through that in a healthy way. I'm very aware that many of us, when we think about our relationship with Jesus and walking that out in life, many of us have been offered this idea that that a life in Christ is somehow immune to suffering and difficulty. That somehow us as Christians, we're now promised a life that is void of grief. And I just want to remind us that there is nothing further from the truth. There are no promises of Jesus that we won't have difficulty, that we won't experience loss, the opposite is actually true. Jesus says to his disciples, and all that would hear afterwards, in this world, you will have trouble. There's a promise of God that we don't want to talk about very often. Jesus says you will have trouble. You're going to go through situations in your life where there's loss, where there's difficulty. You see here, even in Psalm 137, it says that they're remembering Zion. They're remembering the way things used to be, and yet they've just found themselves in a place where all they can do is sit down and weep. Later in that Psalm, it says we've actually taken our guitars and we've hung them up. We don't got any more songs to sing. Jesus in John chapter 11 comes upon a friend of his who is no longer here. The narrative as it unfolds is kind of tough for us to get our mind around because Jesus hears of his illness and it doesn't seem to pull Jesus out of what he was doing. Jesus arrives to what many people consider to be late. Lazarus had already died. And Jesus gets there knowing that a miracle is possible, knowing that God is going to move, and yet Jesus still is overcome with sadness. He's overcome with grief at both what he's seeing in the community and what he's experiencing at an individual level. What I want us to get very familiar with is in the scriptures Time and time again, we see grief, we see suffering, we see loss as a part of life, but friend, also something that can produce something incredibly valuable to us. You see, this whole idea of looking at your grief goes against our natural intuition to look at our grief, to turn towards our pain. You see, many of us, when we get into situations that are, perplexing and trying and painful. We want to avoid the pain. We want to run away from it. We want to create separation between us and whatever is causing that pain. What I'm saying to you and what I'm offering is spiritual maturity will be found and experienced in our life when we turn towards the pain, when we turn towards the suffering, And we embrace what God is doing in the midst of it. Hear me on this, friends. In the midst of our pain and suffering is where we find the presence of God. The promise that we have is in this world we will have trouble, yes. But we also have the promise in Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 that we read at the beginning that the brokenhearted will find that God is near those who feel a crushing in their spirit. I love considering the story of Job found early on in our scriptures. The story of Job, many would say, is one of the first narratives collected chronologically in our Bible. So what does that say to us? That one of the earliest stories that we have in our scriptures is about a man who suffered but a man who lost. And again, please don't confuse that Job had it coming. There's another misrepresentation that unfortunately many have embraced and others are dealing. That if something happens in your life that is tragic, if something in your life that is producing pain, somehow you, me, we're at fault. What I love about the story of Job is the story of Job confronts some of those fallacies head on. Job, it says in the very first chapter, it opens up with that Job was a great and godly man. Not only did he have influence and wealth, but Job had a relationship with God. Job was considered by God to be righteous. Job had family. Job had friends. Job had everything sort of around him. And yet you see suffering, loss, that is, is just one after the other. Job's the story of like, can it, can it get worse than this? Loses land, loses possession, loses children, loses family. Like he just, he just loses everything. And what we're reminded and what we're offered in that story as we see Job processing kind of this grief, I think are some lessons that are are very, very helpful for us as we think about what does it look like for us to process our grief, to go through seasons of loss and to do that well. Let me offer them to you. The first one I would say is this, is that we should pay attention to our pain. This goes back to this idea of sort of turning towards it. As you turn towards that that pain, what I want to invite you into is to pray honest prayers. Pray wild prayers. Pray prayers that are precisely where you are. I think one of the greatest disconnects that happens in our spiritual life when we're going through seasons like this is we feel one way and we talk to God another. We'll sometimes talk to our family, friends, those that are in proximity to us with a greater level of honesty than we will with God. And what I want to say to us to create the depth in our soul that we long for, to have the relationship with God that is healthy, that is, that is vibrant, it is requiring us to be honest. Pray honest prayers. That means don't hold back. Say exactly what you're feeling to God. You see, many would say that the Psalms, in the middle of our Bible, in the middle of our scriptures, that this is the prayer book of the church. Historically, the Psalms have been the place that have helped form, instruct, teach the people of God how to pray. And if that is the course on prayer, let me just say to you, I think many of us are failing the course. Because when I look in the Psalms, I see, I think about a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, crying out, dealing with, expressing pain, loss, suffering, grief, bewilderment. We see them as laments, but also there are Psalms known as imprecatory Psalms. These are Psalms that when we read them, the language in it is sharp. This is where the people of God are just getting their emotions out. And what's interesting is when you read some scholars talking about them, you can almost even hear in the Christian community how difficult it is to embrace that those words are in our Bible. Because we're like, oh, this doesn't seem to, Fit or it doesn't seem to go along with how we should behave or act. Listen to me following Jesus does not mean you void out your emotions, it means that now you have a place to bring them, and God can help sort out your pain and your grief and your anger. God can handle it, friends. It's almost as if God is waiting for you and I to have an honest conversation. You don't got to clean it up. You don't got to dress it up. You don't got to make it sound like what you think God wants to hear. What God wants to hear from you and from me is honesty a sense of here we are. Here we are before God. Pray honest prayers. Let the Psalms take you to school. Second thing I want you to grab hold of is that we have to be willing to embrace the waiting. I've never found in my life that the stages of grief are are as quick as I'd like them to be. I want to move through it. I want to get over it. And the reality is, regardless of the level of suffering, but especially if you're dealing with something that is a bigger wave. That time is going to feel much longer than probably what you're comfortable with. And I want to encourage you to settle in, to hold on. Don't quit. Don't just eject from the process. Sometimes the truth takes time in seasons of grief. Restoration takes time. It's not an easy thing for us to, set, to sit or stand in the seasons of in-between. But friend, it's in those seasons of in-between that the Lord may do something in your heart. And that something, that something may be, maybe the best thing is that you get more acquainted with the presence of God. You learn to hear the voice of God better. You learn to wait on God Friend, the only way that we can learn how to wait on God is to wait on God. It's one of those simple truths that's frustrating to us. The only way that we cultivate patience in our life is to be patient. And the only way that we can produce the fruit in our life that comes from waiting is to wait. The third thing I want us to see from from Job's life that will help us in grief Write it down this way, that you can only do so much. Know your limits. Embrace them. It's mature for us to know our borders, to know what we can actually handle. We all have limitations. Pete Cazero says that this list, think about this list as our limitations. I, I think this is just wonderful and hopefully freeing to you. Your physical body is a limitation. Your body, my body is dying and will return to the dust one day. We have to sleep, we have to eat, we have to drink in order to live. These are limitations. We will finish our lives, friends, with unrealized goals and some dreams not lived out. Our physical body's a limitation. Like we talked about last week, our family of origin is a limitation. It can be a limitation. Your marital status, whether you're single or married, limitation. Our intellectual capacity. None of us, none of us have the ability to be brilliant and experts in everything at the same time. Your talents, your gifts, that's a limitation. You may have talents. You may have 10 talents. I may have three. But our talents, our gifts, those are limitations on our lives. Your material wealth. Regardless of how much money you have, someone has more. Unless you're, you know, Elon Musk. But that's a limitation. It will put a cap on what you can accomplish. Your raw materials. God has given you a certain personality, temperament, your unique self. That is a limitation. Your time, your work and relationship, realities, your spiritual understanding is a limitation. There are secret things that belong only to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that. So listen to me, this list, These are limitations. Know them. Get familiar with them. And understand that they're not weaknesses. And friend, even if they were weaknesses, only in our weak areas are we able to see the strength of God truly shine. I think many of us are living with the weight of trying to carry and do and push and pull and create. And what we're not doing is giving proper place for God to move and operate. And we're carrying the burden of trying to live outside of our limitations. And I've just found in my life when I'm trying to live beyond myself and I'm expecting to be able to do the impossible, That's where frustration comes in my life. That's where the feeling of failure can seek in. And friend, I don't want us to live that way. When we're grieving, we recognize that there's only so much that we can do. When we deal with suffering, we're dealing with loss. There's only so much that we can do. The fourth thing I want you to write down is simply this phrase to climb the ladder. To climb the ladder. Many of you have heard the name St. Benedict, but in St. Benedict, sort of his spiritual journey, he kind of created this ladder of humility. And I think that this ladder of humility is a way for us to deepen, it's a way for us to grow, it's a way for us to mature. I mean, think about this, humility comes from the Latin word, which means of the earth, so low or to be grounded. So when you're grieving and you're going through Difficult times and difficult seasons climb this ladder, cultivate this humility. Here are some of the steps and the the rungs of that ladder, if you will. There'll be eight of them. I want you to consider and think about these. One is, is a fear of God. That first level is to have a healthy fear of God, an awareness of who God is, of God's bigness, of God's grandness. We have a fear of God. The second is to let your will die. To let your desires, to let your ambition, your ego, your driving this thing, let that will perish. Not our will, but thy will be done. The third rung is then to submit to direction or accountability. Here's what that means you don't get to make all of the decisions about everything. You give away power. You give away authority. And you come under and allow the voice of another to direct, to guide. There's a sense of humility. It requires humility to do that. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't grow weary and well-doing. Keep persistent as you move through this. Five, the fifth rung is to cultivate a spirit, an attitude, a life of confession. Your confession that Christ is Lord, but also your confession of your need, confession of the brokenness, confession of the moments where you step out of bounds, cultivate that confession. It will help produce humility in you. When you and I are not living lives of confession, we get to buy into our own lies that we're better than we really are. The next phase is connected to this one. Be aware of our sinfulness. Confession reminds me of who God is. It also makes me aware of my need for God, and I don't want to get far away. I don't want my ego to take me from a place of being aware of my sinfulness, that I am not God, that I am not perfect. you got to cultivate that to keep humility in us. This next one, again, as you think through these, and I, I want you to recognize that each of these rungs of the ladder move into more difficult sort of, it's a, it's a harder requirement, right? Proverbs 1 verse seven says that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. We start there. And we build on top of this. And now we get to a place, and I'll, I'll phrase it this way. Say less. Say less. Quote that goes along with this is just beautiful. That a wise man or woman is known for their few words. The Bible says where, where words are many, sin is not absent. A way of cultivating humility is not always having to be heard. A way of cultivating hum- humility is reducing the word count in your life. Many times, what we want to do is enter a room and we want to fill it with our words and our ideas and our presence, because somehow we're hoping that that room or or people can fill. A void in our life, that it can bring an affirmation that we've been lacking. It can encourage us in a place that we might be weak. What it does is it gets us to be attached to the voice of another affirming us rather than the hearing the voice of the Spirit say that we are the beloved of God. One of these places that we, we get to, we establish this humility in our life is by saying less. And then the final sort of rung for Benedict was this idea of, of that we would become or be transformed into the love of God, that our life would represent Christ in such a way that the love of God that flows from us would be so pure that it would remind others of who Jesus is. And this is the ladder that we're to climb. This is the ladder that we're to cultivate. This is the humility that we need to cultivate in our lives. Now, now listen to me. I know that when you're in seasons of grief and you're in seasons of sorrow, that may not be the time that you feel like you want to deepen your soul. You see, many times we move to a place of numbing. We move to a place of, I mean, let me just cope and let me just deal. We're going to talk about some of those things in the coming weeks. But the reality is this, if you don't pay attention to your pain, if you don't if you don't have an active presence with your pain, it's going to come out of your life in some way. It's going to act out in some way or fashion. What I want to invite you into is in these seasons, we're not running away, but we're looking at our grief. Because we can look at our grief in two ways. It can do one of two things. We can see it as fatal, or we can see it as an opportunity for new life to emerge in our life. This is the last thing I want to leave you with today is simply this, to let the old, let the past pain produce new life. And here's the caveat in time. As I said before, it's never going to happen at the speed we would wish. But here's the beautiful message of the gospel. That resurrection has to pass through the doorway of death in order to be realized. So the cross of Christ produces new life for Christ and for us. The same, friends, is true for the situations in your life and in mine that produce sorrow, that produce grief, that produce a dying, if you will. That can be the very doorway that leads us into a new life and a new season. John chapter 12 verse 24 says it this way. Unless a single grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot produce a harvest. But if it does, then the harvest that emerges can be and will be greater than the seed that began. So, maybe you're in a season of pain right now. Maybe your season of grief is just in the distance and in the rearview mirror. Or maybe this is a time of preparing you for the pain that is to come. We can't avoid it. At some time in our life, we will go through hardship, we will go through difficulty. But the way in which we go through it will determine whether or not. New life is birthed from it. Or we won't have the ability to get up from it. And friends, I promise you that Jesus desires for you and for me when we go through seasons of pain and difficulty, of suffering, that we would find new life in him, that the spirit of the living God might be near to us. And his nearness to us is for are good. So may you know that what you're going through right now isn't to be minimized. The pain, the loss, the despair, those feelings are real. And at the same time, may you know while those feelings are real, that this truth also remains that through the threshold of death comes resurrection. And the resurrection and the life that Jesus promises is though he may be dead, that eternal life is waiting. New life is waiting on the other side of the death that you're experiencing right now. Friends, my prayer for you and for me is that we would struggle well. That we would suffer well. Because in the end, we receive a crown, the Bible says, if we faint not. Grace and peace, friends. Thank you so much Church for tuning in uh, with us. I pray that you were encouraged by that message, uh, maybe even challenged uh, by it as we even talk about uh, kind of what that looks like to process uh, grief. And uh, you know, I wanna encourage you, uh, life is not meant to be walked out alone. So maybe you need some help or someone to walk alongside you to process uh, that grief. We have a care team that's just uh, waiting to hear from you. So uh, if you do want someone to maybe even pray with you, maybe even sit again and process, uh, go to the website uh, and go to the care page and fill that out and someone get back with you and uh, again we just want to be a church that walks alongside you on every step of the way Uh, so you can use that care page uh, for that Uh, so i hope you guys have a great day and even a great rest of the week we see you guys next week